I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show, and my guest today from the Team 980 is Kevin Sheehan. Kevin, how are you? What's up, Doug? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate you coming on doing this today. Uh, plenty of sports as always to get to, but I thought maybe we'd start with just a little bit of the radio business. Uh, I was curious, you started off with Tommy with the sports fix. Did you guys put that show together? Who did? They came to you and said, Hey, we want you to do the show with Tommy. How, what was the genesis of that? Boy, um, that's a good question. You know, I was doing, I did a show with Rigo for a couple of years and then, the station bought 980 back because I had started there. And then Tommy was Tommy was doing a bunch of work with Andy and Steve in the afternoons on the sports reporters. And I love Tommy. I loved listening to him. And Doc and I did a show for like a year. And I loved doing it. It started off, it was not the easiest thing in the world. And he would admit it for the first couple months. But then Coach Thompson wanted Doc on his show. So Doc went to work with Coach, and I um, they gave me you know a couple of options, and I just always loved Tommy. We sat down, we talked one day, and the Times was involved with the station somehow. The Washington Times was, and they, you know, and and I, I think you know for the most part we sort of put ourselves together, um, and and I'm happy we did. You know, he's he's been a, a really good friend, and we did that show for seven and a half years together. Right. I, I guess when Big John asks, uh, things happen. Yeah. I, you know, I can't remember the circumstance. Big John was doing um, the show there for a while with Al and with Doc. And then Doc and I got put together. And then Coach is like, I want Doc back. I think that's how it worked. Doc and I were having a lot of fun. And Doc is a good, close friend. And we had so much fun doing it. Um, but yeah, um, when the Godfather speaks, man, everybody rolls. They 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 rolled back to him. I was curious about this too. I, I remember for gosh, it was at least a year. It felt like that that Schefter came on with you, and then all of a sudden that kind of ended. I'm I'm always curious behind the scenes how the business of that works. We as listeners don't usually get it. Was that contractually he couldn't do it anymore through ESPN or the radio station? Didn't... No, the radio station stopped paying him. Schefter came right. on with Tommy and I and then with Cooley and I for it was almost like a six year run. We were yeah, paying okay. Schefter to come on once a week, even in the off season. And then the radio business has changed a lot recently. The pandemic really changed it, um, but they stopped paying um, and Adam, you know, Adam loved coming on with us, and I still talk to Adam every once in a while, and he'll come on every once in a while unpaid, but that's why sure. that ended. I'm curious your reaction when the when the big wigs come and say, all right, now do one with Cooley. Well, um, that was like, uh, God. So Cooley, they wanted to do a morning show. We had never done a morning show at 980. It, would, it had always been syndicated. You know, it was Mike and Mike. It was ESPN Radio for years. Right. It had been, I think, at the very beginning when they launched the station, they did a morning show. But it had been 20 years since they had done a morning show, and they really wanted to do one. 
And so the program director at the time had a couple of ideas, one of which failed miserably for a lot of reasons. And then, you know, the one that made the most sense was to move Cooley um, off the show in the afternoon. And Cooley wanted to work with me and I wanted to work with him. And the opportunity was great. The biggest part for me was I'd been doing that show with Tommy for seven and a half years. And I, I was going to make sure that, you know, it was the right thing compensation wise, the right mix. Cooley and I had already become good friends, even with him doing afternoon drive. Um, but uh, it was, uh, I, I love doing the show. I mean, Cooley and Tommy um, have been, and they've been a big part of my podcast for their, for three, two and a half years or whatever it's been now, two years, something like that. And I, I've enjoyed working with both of them. Cooley was great, easy. Uh, tons and tons of people from the market, and I'm always curious people's thoughts on this, have made it nationally. I mean, the, the DC market has just pumped them out. And I have to believe you could have done that if you wanted to. Um, I'm curious why you stayed. Do you, I mean, maybe you just love DC. I, I was always curious about that. Well, I mean, there weren't, you know, a significant number of national opportunities that came my way. Maybe they did with others. But I, I, I sort of have always known talk radio is really interesting. Like local sports talk radio is interesting. You've got to in most of these markets, you got to know the, the teams in the market, you know, and you've got to know the number one team cold. Like that has to be a real passion. Um, and the number one team in terms of talk radio is the football team. And it always has been. And there's really not a close second, um, you know, with as many fans as they've lost over the years, still from, you know, a, a discussing the team year round. There's more discussion about that team than any, any other team. So for me, I always felt like, you know, if I was going to do this, because this was sort of a second career professional career for me to begin with broadcasting. I was not in broadcasting for the first 15 years of my professional life. Um, but I always thought this is what I would be good at, which would be local DC sports talk. I've done national shows, you know, subbing in, you know, at various times, but to be honest with you, it was never, you know, fun doing it. I wasn't great at it. A lot of us can do it, but it wasn't, something that I had um, true passion for. Gotcha. Uh, I'm also curious, the two radio stations have merged. I think from the outside looking in all these years, that was a real competition, real competitive nature between the, the two radio stations. You were either a 980 guy or a 1067. Has that changed now that they've merged or not really? Well, we're owned by the same company. That's what's changed. Um, we are, we have this, we share the same program director, which is really unique. Um, uh, but, you know, there's, it's not like there's been a lot of crossover. I think I went on the junkies a few weeks ago for um, a spot and it may have been, somebody told me it was the first time anybody from 980 working at 980 had gone on their station. I don't think anybody from their stations ever come on ours. I don't know. It, it's, it's weird because 980 is, was obviously the heritage, you know, sports talk station for so long and 1067 flip to sports i don't even know what year it was i'm gonna say it was at least 10 years ago somewhere around there and they've done a really nice job they they have over the years and they've had the benefit of being on fm radio which is significant 
in this business. AM radio has really died pretty much in a lot of the country. Although the only thing that still works on AM radio is talk and specifically sports talk um, in some markets. Um, but, uh, but they've done an, a, a great job, you know, overall as an organization. And, uh, you know, the junkies are, you know, iconic now in this market. They've been on for a quarter of a century or something like that. And um, yeah, that was a hell of a way to start the day. You know, while we were running syndicated shows for the, for the most part of the, the, uh, the last 20 something years, but they've done a great job. And, and I, I don't know all those guys and I don't know them well, but I know some of the guys and have over the years and they're good guys. One last on the business side of things, Brendan Dars, the producer, he comes over from 1067. We've had him on before. Seems like a really nice guy. He's what okay. Is, he's, he's okay. I, I, I like know. Brendan a lot. No, Brendan's producing me and he's great. That's, that's yeah. what I was, that's what I was getting to. I was curious because that relationship is very important in radio and i'm curious how long it takes to kind of you know get a feel for each other great thing about brendan and he's only been producing me now for four months something like that is he's mm -hmm. a massive sports fan you know which helps yes, yes. and when you're doing morning drives specifically by yourself and you're a guy like me who loves watching sports and you know you you need you need somebody there that's also sort of thinking the same way you're thinking. And, and we have a lot of the same when it comes to sports. I think a lot of this, I think we have similar sensibilities, you know, in terms of what's important for that day and what we should be talking about. And then add to that, Brendan, because he's such a big sports fan and I don't have a co-host on the show, it makes for, a, you know, a, nice to have another voice and somebody to talk to, you know, occasionally. He's been great, but I've been lucky. Like I've, I've had really good producers yeah. over the years you know greg huff and mark stern and cj and and others have been great well let's get to a little bit of sports the wizards are still in this thing um is scott is scott play is he is he is he going to get a one-in-one -one extension when we're done i guess is the easiest way to say this we're in the playoffs now that's not what i think the fan base wants i'm curious to, if you think he's done enough to keep his job I have no idea. I mean, I think a lot ha has to do with Westbrook and what he thinks. Right. I mean, I like Scott personally. I think he's a really good guy. I think he really relates well to the players. I think everybody that's ever played for him really likes him. Um, they have limitations, you know, right now with this team. I think we're going to see it over the next week. I can't imagine that they win more than one game in this series. And I think what it'll come down to is – you know, what, what are you doing in the NBA these days? Like you're, if, if you're not one of the three teams or four teams that have a legitimate chance to win it, are you just trying to get in to have a series or two to get the extra home dates, which are huge profit generators. And sometimes the difference with, with some of these NBA teams, I know there was a point with the wizards several years back, they needed the home playoff games just to be profitable. You know, it's different now, the recent TV deals, um, but what are you what are you trying to do? It's a weird league, right? Because the goal isn't the goal should be to win a title. But the, the truth of the matter is, out of the 30 teams, usually only two or three can where that's not the case in the NBA. It's not the case in the NHL. It's not the case in Major League Baseball. You can go into a season thinking, you know what, we got a shot in the NBA. You got to, you know, this year's different, a little bit more wide open, but very much the aberration 
most years you got one or two teams that can win it all and everybody else is playing to get as many home dates as possible to generate as much revenue as possible. When's the last time I was thinking about this the other day, I think Russell Westbrook is a bigger superstar than maybe I had realized before he got to town and how the players respond to him. I always thought it was the other way around. It's been interesting to see him in town. I'm curious your thoughts on him and, and, and how you saw him before he got here and maybe how you see him since he's been here. I always loved Russell Westbrook. I was a huge fan. I saw him as a superstar. I saw him before he got here as a locked first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you know, what he was able to put together during the course of his career. You know, in recent years, though, I, I've definitely sort of come to the conclusion that as much as I love the way he plays, the competitiveness, the energy, um, there are limitations. You know, he's not good when the game slows down in the postseason. He's always moving at a, 100 miles per hour in his mind and then physically, too. I think we saw some of that yesterday in the loss to the 76ers in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think that, you know, it's going to be really hard for any team that he's on to win a championship or even to get to one. Um, but you can say that about a lot of great players um, yeah. and they wouldn't be where they are right now without his performance in the regular season. But I think what you're looking at with this team, even with Beal moving forward, even if Hachimura were to develop into a really good, you know, all star level player is you're looking at a team that's got a chance to win 45 to 48 games that might win a series. I mean, they're not winning a championship with this group. No. And is Russell Westbrook enough to get another, I mean, has his play with Beal been enough to convince another superstar to come? Because to your point, that's kind of got to be what happens, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't been able to attract, you know, superstars. No, Oklahoma yeah, yeah, City yeah. was not, you know, Washington, D.C., but D.C.'s never been a great, spot for NBA free agents for some reason. I think it's a great city to live in and a great city if you're a young person to live in. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what people think of Russ. Like, I think he's well-respected. I think they understand what a, a, what a professional he is, which is sort of not what I thought was what Russell Westbrook was before he got here. But I remember I was talking to Scott Brooks the day he was traded. He's like, what these people re will realize is what a professional he is, what great work ethic, and what a leader he is. But he's also a very demanding leader. And not everybody wants to be with a demanding leader. You know, I'm sure his act could wear thin after a while. But with that said, um, they're a much more professional and mature team with, with Westbrook and with the group they have than they've been in recent years. And obviously, I mean, the, the football team is always going to reign supreme, but I find it hard to believe that if the team wasn't, you know, if the Wiz weren't competing for championships, that the, I mean, the city is built on basketball. I mean, it is a basketball city, not to say they'd overtake the, the, the football team, but I mean, there'd be a hunger if they were really good. I, I agree with you. I think it would be the easy number two in town if they were ever legitimately a contender. I mean, Whatever you saw with the Caps in 2018 or the Nats in 2019, right. it would be even more so if the Wizards were playing in the NBA Finals in June or in this particular year in July. Um, it's, it's a basketball town at its core. Now, more people are interested in football than anything else as a consumer, as a, as a viewer. But in terms of involvement, this is a basketball town. I mean, it's the best high school basketball in the country. It's got two powerhouse college programs. Um, it's just that the NBA teams never in 
50 years now. We're coming up on 40, 40 something years had a legitimate chance to play in June. If it, if it happened, I agree with you. I think it would be a massive deal and bigger than anything other than the skins, you know, being really good again. All right. You mentioned the skins. Let's, I, I wrote down a bunch of questions to ask you. We'll play quarter, like, sort of like a guessing game here. Uh, let's start with this one. Who do you think finishes the season for Washington at quarterback? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes. People, people don't realize just what he should be able to add to this offense, right? I mean, people have been critical of the offensive coordinator. He had, he played four quarterbacks last year. I mean, this is, this is easily the best quarterback they've had since Cousins, right? Easily. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I mean, they have a chance to be dynamic at the position this year. And I think there are going to be some Mondays we come in and we're like, oh, my God, did he really make that throw on just second goal from, you know, the five yard line down four? Um, there will be some of those, but they will have a chance to be, I think, much more dynamic offensively than they've been since 2016. Over under 4,500 yards for him. Under. They'll run the football enough. They'll be balanced enough. And I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to be like a great team offensively. 4,500 yards is a hell of a year passing yeah. wise. Um, but, you know, would it surprise me if he's a 4,000 yard passer this year? It wouldn't. And, and it'd still make them way more, to your point, way more dangerous than anything they've had in a while. What, uh, who, what is the uh, starting offensive line week one of the season? Leno at left, um, obviously the interior as, as we know it, uh, and Cosme at right tackle. I mean, those, that's what you're looking for, the two tackles. Schweitzer and Flower, Flowers. Sheriff, and Ruye. Yeah. Okay. Does, I, uh, that, I, I mean, I knew before the draft that they loved Deami Brown and they loved Cosme. And mm-hmm. when they drafted Cosme, somebody told me he's going to start. Now, I thought he, it was left tackle. But I think they knew it was going to be right tackle because they knew it was coming with Moses. That wasn't necessarily about saving money. Him and Ron didn't see eye to eye, I guess. I don't know. I, mean, they could have paid, I just they, they could have paid more than $7 million for this year, I guess is what I'm saying. And had more. Yeah, I'm surprised they, they just didn't it. wait. I'm surprised they didn't wait to see if somebody got hurt in training camp and somebody offered up a fourth rounder or something. I mean, they, they cut him pretty quickly after they gave him the right to seek a trade. I think there's a, yes. a bigger story there. I think there's, I a, a, there's more to the story. Um, but the bottom line is, if they weren't confident in what they had in Leno and Cosme and Lucas, he would still be on the roster. I think they, they're confident about what they have. I've been having this conversation with people recently. They, I don't see how they can get away paying all four defensive linemen. Uh, so that makes Deron Payne. Odd man out because my understanding is they're getting ready to work on a contract with Allen right now. Yeah, I think Allen's going to get a neck extension before the season starts, maybe sooner, probably sooner. I can't imagine that Deron Payne's the odd man out. I think he's got as he doesn't have Chase Young's upside, but he's got the second most upside. I think they're just going to figure it out. Remember, the cap's going to go up exponentially here right. after this, you know, after this setback because of the pandemic. Um, that's yeah. what I always said as far as pain goes. I mean, not quite Warren Sapp, maybe, but I mean, that dude's athletically freaky. And if he puts it all together, but it still seems hard for me to imagine that you could pay four 
defensive lineman upwards of $20 million a year. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows, maybe sweats the odd man out, but I don't see that either. I see them figuring it out somehow with it, with an increasing cap and, um, and some look pain Del Rio thinks what you just said that in what I believe. And that is my God, this guy could become a top three interior defensive lineman in this league. He's that gifted. He's that freakish athletically. And, you know, maybe this is the year to determine that. Like, if he doesn't take that big leap this year, maybe you're right. Um, Sweat obviously took a big leap last year, and Sweat's got that long, you know. The stuff that you're seeing now from the really good pass rushers, the super long-armed guys that are able to knock down balls or are able to be super disruptive, and he's a freakish athlete as well. Um those are your, I mean, you could argue those are the three best football players on the team, young pain and sweat. I mean, you yes. could, you, you could make that argument. I mean, I, I think McLaurin's in the conversation, but um, they are certainly the three, three of the four or five most talented players on the football team. What do you think the, uh, the name of the football team will end up being? I have no idea. I, Jason Wright, I think loves soccer. I think this whole football club, football team thing is still in play. They wanted the Warriors when the whole thing fell apart. Right. That was always the plan. Right. And, you know, they didn't, I, I, from what I understand, they didn't renew some of the trademarks and typical, you know, they're, they're, they're not, and they, they weren't the, the best run or the most organized of groups. Um, but I think that's really what they wanted. Why that died, if it did die, I think there are probably a lot of reasons, but I think football team or football club or FC, I think that all that stuff's in play. I've been told that it meant nothing. I don't know if you saw the pictures of the uh, St. Juice draft card. No. But on, but on team, it says football club. It said football Washington club? Washington football club on the uh, card they handed in. I don't know who yeah. writes that in, but it seems like an oh, I did. I did be. hear about that. Uh, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Um, because they read whoever was reading it at the draft read it as Washington Football Club. That's what you're talking about when they drafted him. Yes, and it's on the yeah. card. That's why they read it because it was written right, on right. the card. Yeah. So could have been a, could, have, could have been an innocent mistake. Who knows? It's it's possible yeah. mistakes happen. I'm not a firm believer in mistakes. Uh, if you had to guess today, where do you think the stadium ends up? I mean. Tommy's so adamant that it's going to be where it is now that no one's going to deal with Dan, but I think people are going to deal with Jason. And I think people, I think, you know, and I think that, um, you know, that people might even deal with Ron if Ron were ever called into a meeting or a discussion, but you know, these jurisdictions finally got a hold of, who do you think finally got a hold in Dan of Dan and said, come on, Greg, you, you, you're running out of chances here. Cause I got to believe the NFL was getting tired of his shtick too. I mean, he wasn't in the draft room, I mean, which I thought was incredible to see. So, I mean, is that a Gibbs thing? I mean, who, who does it require to get to Tan and say, listen, man, you're running out of options here? I don't know. Does I mean, feel, I think – Does it feel I, different this time? It feels very similar to the way it's felt before when they've gotten to sort of ground, you know, the, the, the lowest, you know, rock bottom mm-hmm. moment, like 2009. Feels It feels like that Shanahan 2010, like, all right, they – he hired a real guy. He hired, he got rid of Vinny. I mean, I feel like we've been here before. It doesn't mean that this time won't be different, but I, I wouldn't wager on it being different. You know, he's, 
who he is. And at 56 years old or whatever he is, is he really going to change that much? Like, what if they have a step back season this year? And they could. They've got a brutal schedule with a lot of good quarterbacks. What if they go, you know, 17 games? What if they go six and 11? And Fitzpatrick isn't the guy. And they didn't take, you know, they didn't. I would never discount the possibility that his influence, negative influence, impacts the franchise. And I think everybody understands that. But, you know, for the moment, he's all on board with the culture change. One last one on the football team. We've been talking about this recently. Let's, what, what do you think the ceiling and the floor is? You were talking about the record. Um, the floor is a, bit, is, a, is a bigger floor than I think most people think. I mean, they defensively, they, they could be very good, you know, and they're also going to play potentially some really good teams with really good quarterbacks. Um, they've got to stop the run better next year, and hopefully they will. I think they'll make another big improvement. Offensively, it's the quarterback, you know. They'll be more dynamic like we talked about. But, you know, is he going to win games at the end or lose games at the end if there are a lot of close those in a lot of close ones? I think, you know, six and 11 could be the floor. I mean, I could see them only winning six games and having 11 that, you know, where half of them could have gone either way. And I don't know, 11 and six as the upside. Right. And I think Vegas – the best money is on is like right around eight games. I think is it, is it surprising how quickly we've gotten to the point where we're now using Vegas as the way to do the league? Not, not because Vegas wasn't always right, but just that the leagues, it feels like it happened really fast. Um, I mean, I've, I've been using Vegas as a barometer forever. I don't know how, how much more it is now, obviously with the legalization of sports betting, you see it. It's so much more, you know, omnipresent television, everything, because people can talk about it. You know, networks can put the numbers up, you know, during games and in-game, you know, numbers and promoting, you know, uh, legalized gambling. So it's much more that way. I think they've always been the, um, at least, you know, one of the key barometers that, I mean, I, my guys and I would, I mean, we'd listen to guys like Jaworski because we'd go against what he said more than with what he said, you know, and much more with, you know, where the numbers were and what the guys, you know, out in the desert thought they've always been a much sharper opinion on team sports, professional sports than the so-called experts, you know, that played the game. Uh, okay, we'll get you out of here after just a couple minutes of Caps talk. It feels like they either go out in the first round or win the whole thing, and there's no in-between rounds. What do you think this early exit means for Ovechkin, if it means anything for Ovechkin? I have no idea on Ovechkin, but I, I, I just can't k- get out of my mind just the decision they made three years ago to not pay trots. You know, right. I don't know. I don't know enough about hockey to, to, to really have a strong opinion of what Todd Reardon was. But remember, basically, everybody felt like he was responsible for the Stanley Cup. He was the X's and O's. He was the brains behind it. They had all of these years of coming up short, not just the Ovechkin era, but going back to the 80s and the 90s and blowing 3-1 leads and losing game sevens at home. And then they finally hit the inside straight, win the Stanley Cup. It's one of the great things to happen to that franchise and to any franchise in town first title for anybody since 91 
in this town. And 11 days later, they won't pay the coach. I mean, I thought it was nuts then, but I don't know enough about hockey. Maybe they were right. Maybe they were planning on making this change and Reardon was really the guy. Well, three first round losses later, and Barry Trotz, by the way, has won three playoff series in New York with the Islanders. And he's got the Penguins at 2-2 or whatever it is. I don't know, man. Ted's got all the answers. If you're not sure, just ask him. But he's been right very infrequently, you know, I mean, over the years. So um, I don't know. To me, the verdict verdict is in on that one. They botched it. I mean, it's easy to say now. um, But, you know, I didn't know what to think in the moment. For all I knew, they were right. It's not my area of strength in talking about hockey and hockey coaches and X's and O's. But my God, when the guy finally wins the title, what, how much do you need? Here's, here's the check. Fill it in. Right. You're our guy. Have you guys thought about putting cameras in for your podcast? Or are you guys are just happy with the audio? Cameras in, you know, to add, like everybody's adding yeah, a yeah, YouTube yeah. channel a as bit. well. It's just that we're, it, we're doing it every day. We don't have the setup yet for it. And so far, audio only is working, knock on wood. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, for those people that are living under a rock, please tell them where they can find you and what's coming up on the podcast. Yeah, I'm on 980 Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. And you can listen to my podcast whenever and however you want. You know, everywhere you can get a podcast, The Kevin Sheehan Show. Van Pelt was on with me today. He just got back from the PGA. Uh, Tommy's on with me, you know, two days a week. Cooley's on with me, usually a day or two during the week, during the football season, even more. Um, But I, I appreciate you having me on, and I hope it's going well for you. It is. Kevin, as far as I'm considered concerned, you're the gold standard at really this was a big deal for me today, so I appreciate it. No, no, no. My pleasure. Thanks, Doug. Thank you, Kevin.